Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today it's 1995's Clueless. A rich high school student tries to boost a new pupil's popularity, but reckons without affairs of the heart getting in the way. Okay, full disclosure here, up top. This is our second time we've recorded this episode. Our first episode got lost to crappiness. Oh, the audio gremlins came and took it away. So we're doing this again. And it happens. We've certainly had to do that before. But this was particularly sad because it was a guest. We had a very special guest joining us. One of our favorite friends from the internet, a friend from the Great White North. It's Drew, a.k.a. Pillow Creek, a.k.a. Podcast Dragon. Mm-hmm. We love Drew. We're so sorry, Drew. <sighs> but Drew will be back for another episode in the future. So all is not lost. Again, you can find Drew at Pillow Creek on Twitter. And he runs the Podcast Dragon podcast review newsletter. Super awesome. Love him. So David, David. <laughs> Sweet young David. You've never seen this before. We've gone through this like five or six different times. I never saw any of the teen movies. But David. This well, one... we're fixing that, aren't we? We've we've made a lot of progress. <laughs> we we have. We've been doing this for two years and we've seen a lot of fucking movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, we have. With a smattering of good and quite quite bad (laughs) and mediocre and you know all right it's an okay films but this one this one oh god i love this movie i saw this in the theater and i was the perfect age for this movie to just like suck me in i remember wanting to dress like these girls i remember going to claire's and finding jewelry that was similar to what they were wearing i mean it was a whole thing and even like this last year, Target had the same yellow plaid check going on. Everyone's like, it's clueless. It's clueless. So it made me really happy. But I think that the most important thing about this film for me and my development was that it introduced me to Paul Rudd, <laughs> who since this movie has been my number one celebrity crush. Everything he's in, I love him in. He's adorable. Yes. Your thoughts on this film? This movie isn't as good as some of the other teen movies we've seen. And in fact, knowing the director behind it, I also don't think it's as good as the prior movie that we've seen by her. David is referencing Amy Heckling as a writer-director, and she previously directed Fast Times at Ridgemont High. I don't think that's a fair comparison because the aim of the films are very different. My problem is I'm not sure what the aim of this film is. and. I think that's based on some specific choices from people Mm. that kind of confused me on this watch. Now, I'm not saying that I couldn't be convinced on another watch or two, and I don't hate Mm -hmm. the movie, but I'm confused about this movie and what it's trying to be. I feel like at its core, it's very don't judge a book by its cover. I I think that's really what it comes down to, and that there's there's more than someone than, you know, just the facade they put on which for a high school movie is very important i don't know that that was communicated that well to me as a viewer the only thing you need to know is it was made in 1995 because some of the references are dated when you're watching it in 2019 there's also some slurs that are not great oh yeah which they weren't great then but there wasn't public outcry about them 
Yeah, that didn't bother me that much uh, in terms of, I mean, they were bad. But well, it's one of those things that it goes, oh, my God, I can't believe they said that. Oh, it was 1995. Yeah, that makes sense. I remember seeing movies in 1995 going, yeah, I'm not proud of that. Yeah, it's just like, mm, yeah, no. That's the word I would bleep now. No, <laughs> oh, just not right. Just not yeah. put in the movie. But there's a lot of things about this movie that are very progressive. I'll agree with that. And intelligent. And I love it. Okay, so we're going to start with a writer, as usual, Amy Hecklering. Before this, she wrote the short, Getting It Over With. She wrote the TV series Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Look Who's Talking, Look Who's Talking 2, Look Who's Talking Now. After this, she wrote the Clueless TV series. She wrote Loser. I Can Never Be Your Woman, Vamps, and then she was a writer on the Muppets TV show in 2016. She sat in classes at Beverly Hills High School to kind of get a flavor of the students that were there. And what a lot of people have pointed out that a lot of the characters, plots, themes, and values are based on the Jane Austen novel, Emma. Amy Heckling remembered reading this when she was a teenager, so that was part of her inspiration. I think the writing's solid. I don't have a whole lot of problem with the the arcs and the way the story goes. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's anything specifically wrong with the style or the dialogue in the movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it feels like high school and it doesn't feel like high school in a kitschy way or an intentionally subversive way. It just mm-hmm. feels like people in high school, which reminds me a little bit of that vibe of Fast Times, mm-hmm. which was you're following a bunch of kids around a high school. There's not necessarily any plot to aim for in that movie. But that's kind of the point. You're just following the lives of people. Well, and see this one, there are actual like character arcs yeah. and there are little love stories and there's some transformation. And that is actually a lot deeper than Fast Times was. One thing about this, and I, and I think this might be coloring my judgment, is that I've seen Legally Blonde mm-hmm. and I've seen 10 Things I Hate About You mm-hmm. and I've seen other movies that this movie feels like a prototype for. It is. And because of that, I feel like while I'm watching this, I'm going, but I've seen this done and I feel like it was done better. Well, this was one of those first movies. This was also around the time when we got Dawson's Creek, which was the evolution of, we're going to have teenagers who are smart. Yeah. They can be dumb, but they're also very smart. Yeah. And we got into that Creek speak. It's talked about in movie that, you guys sound like grown-ups. That whole speech where Dion is yelling at Murray, it's amazing because he comes back with, you know, like while some of these words have, you know, do have mocking, they're not misogynistic in tone. <laughs> like it's this whole thing where it's just like, not only does he break that down in a very like important way, but he sounds so intelligent doing that. And this is the beginning of that. We wouldn't have shows like Riverdale, which granted, they don't sound like this smart. So yeah, like we would not, like this show is one of the first ones to do that. And so, yes, it has gotten a little more fine-tuned and better, but this is this is a breakthrough. This is a breakout. We're very pro-writing. I like the story. Yeah. Like they do a really good job of handling multiple storylines. With, like and tying things back, like things that we see in the beginning, we see again later. Like it's there's nothing that's a true throwaway that isn't supposed to be a throwaway. That's fair, which is great. Uh, we get on to the directing again. It's Amy Hecklering before basically everything she wrote, she directed. But she after this, she also did a lot of television directing. She directed an episode of The Office, Gossip Girl, The Carrie Diaries, Red Oaks. So she's yeah, she's done a ton. I like her direction. This is part of where I got confused. And where I felt like we were slightly off is that there are times when this movie is played as a broad satire. 
Mm-hmm. And there are times where this movie is played as a straight high school movie. Mm-hmm. And it's not real clear as to why we're doing either one at a certain moment. Again, I think you are expecting this movie to be something that it's not. Like, it's not highbrow commentary on this slice of life. It's presenting it as it is and focusing on this one girl's story where most of the world at the time of 1995 would have been like, spoiled brat. That's who this girl's going to be. And she is spoiled. And sometimes she is a brat. But there's more to her. Which I'm fine with. Mm -hmm. My problem is those scenes, as funny as they are, scenes in the classroom, like with Travis, when he takes a bow for his attendance and Mm -hmm. gives a speech. Travis Birkenstock, 38 tardies. By far the most tardies in the class. Congratulations. So unexpected. I, uh, I didn't even have a speech prepared. Uh, but I would like to say this. Tardiness is not something you can do all on your own. Many, many people contributed to my tardiness. Uh, I'd like to thank my parents for never giving me a ride to school. The L.A. City bus driver for taking a chance on an unknown kid. And uh, last but not least, the wonderful crew at McDonald's for spending hours making those Egg McMuffins, without which I might never be tardy. On the one hand, hilarious. I do love the conceit of the scene. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, doesn't feel like it matches the tone of the rest of the movie to me. No, I think it absolutely does. Hmm. Because Cher lives in her own little world. Travis lives in his own little world. And his little world, getting the most tardies is an accomplishment. That's true. You know, each one of these characters does live in their own little world where they are awesome. Until... We get to the grades. That's the first time we see that Travis actually is like, oh, no. That's what I didn't catch from watching it, was that what's happening in these scenes is the projection of their own internal thought of high school going on. Yes, because what we do have going on here, which is very classic kids TV, kids movies, is we've got all of the tropes, you know, burnouts, jocks. You know, the fashionistas, you know, the yearbook people like this, you know, type A grade chasing people. Yeah, you get all of that. But what is interesting is that there is a decent amount of overlap within this very, very well-to-do high school. Yeah. So that's interesting, too. Yeah, I think the direction is actually pretty good. There's a few moments where she's directly referencing Gigi, which is an adorable classic film that I'm probably going to have to make you watch. Yeah. Um, Like when she's at the fountains or when she's walking down the stairs, those are like direct callbacks to that story, which is cute and appropriate for what's going on. But I, I think her direction works really well. Now, some of the performances may not match the good direction. That's a different problem. So the meatiest part of this movie is the cast, which is phenomenal and amazing. Mm hmm. We're going to start that off with Alicia Silverstone as Cher Horowitz. Before this, she was in an episode of The Wonder Years, The Crush, The Three Aerosmith Videos Crying Amazing and Crazy, La Nouveau Mode, and Hideaway. After this, she was in The Babysitter, Batman and Robin, Excess Baggage, Blast from the Past, Mismatch, Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed, Beauty Shop, Silence Becomes You, The Singles Table on TV, Suburgatory on TV, Vamps, The Killing of the Sacred Deer, book club American woman on television and she has just been announced as being cast in the Netflix babysitters club series. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And she's also a very prominent vegan animal rights activist. That's like her big thing. She's adorable. She is adorable. 
I do have this vibe of she walked so Reese Witherspoon could run a bit. A little bit. And I think it's because, again, this movie feels like a prototype for so many things. So it feels like they're trying stuff. Mm-hmm. That's not always going to work. I don't know that that's anybody's fault. Her gift in this film is her ability to pout and still be adorable. Yes. Look super cute. Her downward frown is still almost like a smile. Yeah, it's true. And it's adorable and perfect for this role. I mean, it is. It's just so cute. She's also gorgeous. Well, yeah. I also like that, you know, in terms of body type, while she is skinny, she's not this tiny, you know, anorexic model skinny. So I do appreciate that. She's just, she's adorable. They play with her ability to debate and argue and fight back because of her dad being a lawyer. Yeah. It's made so much more interesting and rich for her character. Mm-hmm. Earth to share! Come in, share! Miss <laughs> oh oh. Stoger, I would just like to say that physical education in this school is a disgrace. I mean, standing in line for 40 minutes is hardly aerobically effective. I doubt I've worked off the calories in a stick of carefree gum. Well, you certainly exercise your mouth, Cher. Now hit the ball. Ms. Stoger, that machine is just a lawsuit waiting to happen. Thanks for the legal advice. Well, and we would not have Elle Woods without Cher Horowitz. No. In fact, there are times where I confuse quotes from Cher with Elle Woods because they're very similar characters. <gasps> you made me question my fashion sense. <laughs> like, that's the type of thing that Cher would think and say. So, while well, this is Elle Woods 1.0, that's okay. Maybe this is potentially an issue with the writing. Mm-hmm. There's so much heavy lifting that Cher does both in narration and on screen Uh that there's not enough time for us to like feel with the character Mm -hmm. without words constantly have to keep coming. Yes. That they've made it so focused on Cher that we don't have time to appreciate her acting as much. Um, They could have given her a little more nuance. I think I would have liked to see maybe some more time with her in different classes. We see her in Mr. Call's class and then we see her in PE, but that's it. And so it would have been interesting to see different teachers and her adapting to those classroom environments because she's a very smart, she's a very smart girl. We need a teacher that is the equivalent of a Mr. Hand for this movie. That as much as I like Hall, who is kind of that for her. Well, he is immune to her charms. That's true. What I wish was we had more of the battle of wits between them. Yes. Because Wallace Shawn is great at Battles of Wits, mm-hmm. as we know. Just to have more time with that, of getting to see her shine and argue. And maybe also with like a deadbeat teacher who like does not give a shit about any of these kids. Yeah. And is having to deal with her. It would be nice to have seen a teacher who was completely exasperated by her existence. And then a teacher who was captivated by her. Not in an inappropriate way, but just thought everything she did was perfect and lovely and amazing and just see how she might change her tactics in each class. We need more grown-ups. We did need a few more grown-ups. Just a few. Yeah. Alicia Silverstone did not have to audition for her role in this movie. She actually did not know how to correctly pronounce Haitians in the classroom scene. Director Amy Hecklering told the crew not to correct her because she thought it was funny and wanted it in the movie. And it is funny. It is very, very funny. I have several who could have been betters. Okay. First, we have Reese Witherspoon. 
No, not yet. No, I don't. I don't think she could have done this one yet. Zoe Deschanel. Zoe's so hard because I don't feel like I knew anything about her until like 500 Days of Summer. That's sad because you are missing one of her first, like her first big roles was Almost Famous, which is on the list for you to see. Yeah, I know. Next, we have Alicia Vitt. We also have Carrie Russell. Interesting. Tiffany Thiessen. (laughs) Which I don't think she would have been right for this movie, but well, for this role, but maybe a different role in the movie. Possible. Angelina Jolie and Gwyneth Paltrow were both considered, but neither of them auditioned. Gwyneth probably could have done it. I don't think so. She might have been a good Dion. That's true. Don't want to whitewash that character, but in that role, playing the more stern friend, she could have done really well. And Angelina Jolie <laughs> no, is not right for this movie, period. I mean, this same year she did Hackers. Like, no. <laughs> She's too severe for those things. She just is. She's a different kind of actress. That's okay. That's fine. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with Alicia Silverstone. Yeah. Next, we have Stacey Dash as Dion. Before this, she was in Farewell for the People, a TV movie, Moving, St. Elsewhere, and TV 101. After this, she played Dion in the Clueless TV series. She was in The Strip, The Painting, A View from the Top, The Game, TV show, Single Ladies, Sharknado 4, The Fourth Awakens, and she is in the upcoming Roe v. Wade movie. She has turned into an icky person. Mm -hmm. Her politics are are not great. And They're that makes pretty it, awful. It makes us hard to like her as a person. Yeah, pretty much. Her performance in here is good. She is a good counterpart to Alicia Silverstone. I hated her. I really <laughs> didn't like her performance. It really just felt flat to me. I, it felt like she was just reading lines. It well, really did. I think what you're reading is flat is for her. She is a mirror to other people. Well, not a mirror, but she has to be. She is never seen by herself. She is only with other people. So it's her with Cher, her with Murray, her with Ty. And she is there to make the other people shine. Which is fine. But at a certain point, if you're still not like compelling enough to be on screen in that moment, it's it, it just kind of feels like white noise to me. I don't want to diminish the fact that that is an important role to play. You've mm-hmm. got to be able to bounce back and react to people. But I needed something stronger from that performance. It just didn't grip me at all. Next, we have Brittany Murphy as Ty. Before this, she was in Drexel's class, Almost Home. She was on Sister, Sister. After this, she she did a lot of TV. She was in the Clueless television series, but she played Jasmine. She was not playing Ty. She was in Drop Dead Gorgeous, Girl Interrupted, Trixie, Pepper Ann. She's the voice of Luann Platter on King of the Hill. Don't Say a Word, Riding in Cars with Boys, 8 Mile, Just Married, Uptown Girls, Little Black Book, Sin City, some smaller stuff. And then her last credit was Something Wicked, which didn't come out until 2014. She passed away in 2009 from anemia and pneumonia. Hmm. She is one of the best parts of this movie. Oh, yeah. Her character is phenomenal. She's so, she's really joyful. Even when she's unsure of herself, she's just like, okay, she's really up for anything. I mean, we have strong Pygmalion vibes with what's going on with her character. So we see a very obvious transformation. Mm -hmm. But she, at every stage of that transformation, still feels like the character. Yeah, like we didn't change Ty. Now, there are some moments where she's gotten full of herself and gets a little yucky. Yeah. But she's still her. She's just in different clothes. Yeah. 
And that's what's adorable and great. I love her character. And just some of the references when I first saw it as a kid, I didn't know what they were saying. She's like, oh, I could really use some herbal refreshment, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, she's asking for pot, clearly. And I didn't know that. I was 11. <laughs> here. Yeah, come here. Hang with us. Oh, thank you. <laughs> How do you like California? Man, I'm freaking. I could really use some sort of an herbal refreshment. Oh, well, we do lunch in 10 minutes. We don't have any tea, but we have Coke and stuff. No shit, you guys got Coke here? Yeah. Yeah, this is America. I mean, for me, Diet Coke addict was like, yeah, that's some important shit. I don't want any of that Pepsi crap. (laughs) Sweet, innocent Diana, if you could ever say that. But she says it with so much conviction. It's the best. Yeah. She's, She's probably... After Paul Rudd, she's my favorite part of this movie. <laughs> There's always a qualifier. There is a qualifier here. Two who could have been betters, Leah Remini and Alana Ubach also auditioned for Ty. I don't know who Alana Ubach is. She is featured in Sister Act. She's the girl who did not know Mary had a little lamb. She sings the Love Boat theme instead. That's number two, Back in the Habit. It's she's, been so long since I've seen it. I love Alana Ubach. Every time I see her, I get excited. She's currently on Euphoria as one of the parents, and she is awesome. So yeah. Leah Remini is an interesting choice because all I can think of is King of Queens. So Leah Remini is not as old as people feel like she is. She is one of those actresses who has always read as older than she is. Not in a bad way. She just comes off as she's always been 28. Yeah. At least. (laughs) So like, I mean, and she's a gorgeous woman. She's a great actress. She would have been really good in this role, but because she reads as so much older than everybody else at this time, it wouldn't have been a good fit. Brittany Murphy's just so wide-eyed. It's so perfect. And she's a great addition to Dion and Cher. Yeah. Like those three together are just adorable. Next we have Paul Rudd as Josh. Uh, Before this, he was in a bunch of really small stuff. This really put him on the map. After this, instead of doing more stuff, he went to New York and did plays. This movie blew him up. But he was on Sisters, the television show. He was in Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, (laughs) Romeo and Juliet. He did make an appearance on the Clueless television show as Sonny. He was in The Object of My Affection, Cider House Rules, Wet Hot American Summer, The Shape of Things. He showed up at the end of Friends as Mike Hannigan. He married Phoebe Buffay. So good. So great. Great addition to the Friends group. Anchorman, The 40-Year-Old Virgin, Night at the Museum, Knocked Up, I Can Never Be Your Woman, Walk Hard, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, I Love You Man, Dinner for Schmucks, This is 40, This is the End, Anchorman 2, Ant-Man, Wet Hot American Summer, more of the Marvel stuff because he's continued being Ant-Man. He has a series on Netflix coming soon where there's going to be more than one of him called Living With Yourself. And then he's going to be in Ghostbusters 2020. I love him so much. (laughs) He's so adorable in this movie and hot. And I love him. He's being Paul Rudd. There's nothing wrong with that. Not really. I mean. He has not changed. (laughs) He's just gotten hotter. Yeah, pretty much. He really has. He's just, <laughs> he's so good at playing the nice guy or play, like, he's just so good at playing the straight white dude. <laughs> I mean, that's really what he is. And that's okay. He's just, oh, I love him so much. The straight white dude with a quirky sense of humor mm-hmm. and genuinely nice. At no point do you ever feel like his niceness is a pretext to anything other than This is just what I would do no matter what. It's not lost on us that there's this creepy, he's 
her stepbrother. Ooh, that's yeah. that's where they made a mistake in this movie. Oh, it's real weird. He could have easily been. He knows Cher because he's been an intern at Murray's law firm for a while, and now he's a first year attorney, or he's you know in his last year of law school, whatever. And so that's why Cher knows him, and they've always just nitpicked and been mean to each other. And he's always at the house because he's kissing Mel's ass and he's working really hard. Like that would have been fine. That would have made it all feel a little less icky. It would have explained him being there and their history together. But him being her stepbrother was just a little unnecessary. It's weird. I mean, okay, they don't share any DNA. They are not. They are not relatives in any way it's still they also did they also did not grow up together they didn't have that familial relationship at all no matter how you slice it gross in 1995 i guess it was fine but now you're looking going why yeah like this why like you could have solved this weird problem in a completely different way the baseball hat that Josh wears is a KU hat for University of Kansas. Paul Rudd is from Kansas and graduated from Shawnee Mission West High School. Interesting. He's a Kansas boy. Paul Rudd actually auditioned for the roles of Murray, Christian, and Elton. Paul Rudd assumed that the character of Murray was a white teenager trying to act like a rapper. Which, okay, if it doesn't explicitly say on the script that Murray is African-American, which it should have. At this time, that was a very common stereotype as well in high school. Yeah. So, like, not great, Paul Rudd, but it was 25 years ago. I know you've grown up more since then. Who could have been better? Jeremy Renner auditioned for Josh. Blech. No. No. He could not have done this well. Mm-mm. Ben Affleck? Maybe. Maybe. Ben Affleck doesn't do the charm part as well or the goof. He can, but he has to be written so well. And Zach Braff auditioned for Josh. Oh, Zach Braff. Zach Braff could have done it. He could have done it because he plays in a very similar wheelhouse. But he's not Paul Rudd. He's not Paul Rudd, but I do like Zach Braff. And him on Scrubs is very similar vibe that Paul Rudd has done in a lot of movies. Yeah, maybe. Just Just similar. He's no Paul Rudd. No one is. (laughs) Except for Paul Rudd. Irreplaceable. Correct. But- now we get to Zach Braff's best friend for life, uh-huh. Donald Faison as Murray. Before this, he was in Juice, Sugar Hill, and New Jersey Drive. After this, he was in 12 Monkeys, Waiting to Excel. Can't Hardly Wait, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. He played Murray on Clueless, the television series. Remember the Titans, Josie and the Pussycats, Felicity TV, Clone High, Uptown Girls, Something New, The Boondocks, Scrubs, the TV series. Pitch Perfect, Kick-Ass 2, The X's, lots of television and voice work. He was on Ray Donovan. He's a voice in Star Wars Resistance, and he's got a couple projects coming up. He's amazing. He is hilarious. That whole thing where he's just like, I'm amazing. I'm doing it. I'm keeping it real. I'm going to call you. Don't call my mom. Don't call my mom. Uh-huh. He's, he's able to be so charming and still a teenager in this movie. Yes. Which, when you have a... 20-year-olds playing teenagers, it can get a little dicey. Like, sometimes they do it really well, but a lot of times the person is trying to skid away from being young so much that they can't go back to it. And Donald Faison does it perfectly. Well, he does He does the wet, hot American summer thing where he leans into the earnestness so hard so great. that it becomes funny, <laughs> even though... He does not look like he's a teenager at all. No. (laughs) 
But, I mean, he's he's one of those people like he hit puberty and bam, he looked like an adult. Yeah, which is fine. He's an attractive man too, but like it's just so funny then to be so goofy. He is so good at the roles that he's done. Yeah, he's well, and, and he's found this right lane to play in. Two who could have been better: Terrence Howard and Dave Chappelle. Nah. Nah. No, Terrence Howard's too serious. I can't see him doing goofy. And Dave Chappelle's just sarcastic, cynical. I don't think he could have played young. No. He could not have played those beats of being a teenager the way that Donald Faison did. I mean, weirdly, he was pretty close to being a teenager at this time. They're very similar in age. I think Dave Chappelle's a couple years older. I don't know. But I mean, like, he was doing stand-up at 18 in the, like, early 90s. And he seemed like he was a 30-year-old because of how acerbic his style of humor was. It's one of those things where... He's just not right. Donald Faison's so good at playing earnest yeah. that he's perfect for this role. He's so perfect. No replacements. Next, we have Elisa Donovan as Amber. Before this, she was in a couple episodes of Blossom. Then after this, she did a lot of television, including Beverly Hills, 90210. She played Amber on Clueless, the TV series. She was a regular on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She did a couple TV movies, and then she was in The Lake and Gale We Trust. And then her last credit was in 2017, a movie called MDMA. So she hasn't done a ton. But I really liked her. Kind of as a foil to share, she was very believable. I needed more in order to feel a little more strongly about her. I would have liked to have more competition between her and Cher to make it more that she was their nemesis. But I also like that because they didn't lean into it too much that you could still believe that she was a part of the same friend group. Like they weren't just out for each other. What they could have leaned into more is she is the nemesis, but Cher doesn't recognize her as a nemesis. She's just there. Yeah. And so except for a couple of times when you acknowledge her, she's trying to plot as nemesis behind the scenes, but nothing happens and Cher doesn't even see it happen. They should have had Amber be more of the wannabe. Yes. Instead of her equal. Yeah. Or trying to be her equal. So like her to be the wannabe to be in the group and shares just com- not in a mean way, just completely oblivious to how much Amber wants to be in her group. Exactly. It like, would have been like, really more interesting. I'm so glad you got to come to the party. I have that dress. That's it. <laughs> and then like it, the whole thing with Amber is like, yes, I know you bought it. You bought it on this date. Like almost like she's a stalker. That would have been a really fun angle to go with her. Uh-huh. Because that's also a very common high school junior high trope. Yeah. Is the wannabe. I've got two who could have been better. Zoe Deschanel also auditioned for her. And Sarah Michelle Gellar was offered the role, but had to turn it down because she was still on All My Children. Oh my God, Sarah Michelle Gellar would have been so good. She would have been so good. I think Zoe could have done this character really well too, if they had done more of a wannabe style. Maybe, but Sarah Michelle Gellar would have stolen scenes the way this character probably needed to a little bit. She could have done the bitchy attitude so perfectly. So good. I love you, Sarah Michelle Geller. We need to make David watch Buffy. Next, we have Brecken Meyer as Travis. We've talked about him, too. I love him. Before this, he was on The Wonder Years, The Jackie Thomas Show, and Payback. After this, he was in The Craft, the home court TV show. He showed up in Clueless as playing Harrison. He was in Prefontaine, Dancer Texas, Population 81, Can't Hardly Wait, 54, Go, Road Trip, Kate and Leopold, Inside Schwartz, TV series, Married to the Kellys. He was in Garfield. He was in Herbie, Fully Loaded, Stag Night. He's been in a billion episodes of Robot Chicken. He's been on 
King of the Hill as Joseph Gribble. He had his series Franklin and Bash, and he was on Designated Survivor, and he was recently in the Seth Green-directed Changeland. He's so good. He is so freaking perfect. (laughs) Because very similar to Ty, he's so earnest. Mm -hmm. And he does change, but he changes for the better in an organic way. And he's just sweet. There is no malice in that guy. A character I will always adore is a big, dumb oaf. Just Just a a stupid stoner. A benevolent stoner. Always. Like, he's not stupid. He's just out of it. He's a doofus. He's precious. He's just so cute. His name is Travis Birkenstock. Birkenstock. It's so perfect. <laughs> like, and I know that's a very pointed joke, but I don't care. It's very good. He is so freaking cute. Yup. I just want to hug him. Mm-hmm. He is a celebrity that I don't want anything sexual. I just want to give him a hug and be like, your career has brought me joy. <laughs> it sparks joy. It sparks joy. <laughs> he does. He can stay. <laughs> <laughs> Men are trash. Should be burned to the ground. He can stick around. He can stay. Yeah. If only for this movie, can't hardly wait and Josie and the Pussycats. Fair. <laughs> I have two who could have been betters. Why? Why bother? Because they're really good options. Owen Wilson or Seth Green? No, to Seth Green. I, I love Seth Green, but not for this. He's He's got a more manic energy that plays well for different types of characters. At this point in his career, I think he would have been better as like a crazy obsessed nerd. Yeah. Yeah, as opposed to the stoner guy. Though, funny enough, Seth Green and Breckenmeyer are best friends in real life. Well, of course. <laughs> They're precious, and I love them. When they post pictures on Instagram, I'm like, I want to play with them. But Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson could have done this. Wow. 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 Oh, wow, guys. I, him giving the speech for except for tardiness, I would like to see that audition tape. 1990s Owen Wilson. Yeah. Fresh-faced out of Texas. The only way it could have been better is if you had Owen and Luke Wilson playing like twin, like brothers who were just the same. (laughs) They were both the same person. I know they've done that in real life. It would have been so cute. Yeah. There's some slight differences in their style, but they can go full out, match each other for sheer glorious obliviousness to the world. True. Next, we have Jeremy Sisto as Elton. Before this, he was in Grand Canyon and Hideaway. After this, he was in White Squall, Suicide Kings, Some Girl Without Limits, Playing by Heart, The Space Between Us. He played Jesus in this TV miniseries. He was in Takedown, 13, Six Feet Under, Kidnapped on TV, Law and Order. He did that for a long time. He was in Suburgatory on television, The Returned, The Long Road Home miniseries, Ice, and FBI. And then he's got some stuff coming up. He's in a lot of TV. Oh, he's gross. His character's gross. He's yeah, well, very, yeah, not he's not, pretty fine. Yeah, but uh, okay. My favorite thing about Elton, like, I don't like that he's such a gross, creepy guy. Yeah, because the worst thing is that he has this picture of another girl, but his logic is, well, Cher took the picture, so I have that in my locker. That is ridiculous. That is the dumbest logic I've ever heard in, in my life. That's most boy logic for yeah. you, honestly. I got to give good props to Amy Heckling for writing it that Cher was like, no, absolutely not. She puts a stop to it. Nothing else happens. He abandons her. But go you, Cher, for sticking up for yourself. Yep. 
But then he's like one of those storylines that then he's just kind of cast aside. But he's supposed to be. We've dealt with him. We don't need him anymore. But every time he shows up in a classroom, he instantly has to leave. My thumb hurts. I need to go to the nurse. I left my cranberry CDs. I need to go. Like every time we see him in a classroom, he's trying to leave. I love it. It's weird because I don't think Jeremy Sisto was like a known acting quantity Mm -hmm. and a known character actor at this point. Now, in retrospect, it kind of feels like, why are you here? We could have used some a, a better bit player for this part, honestly. But on the other hand, he's so good at being skeevy. Yeah, he, he played skeev really well here. You just kind of wonder, man, nobody knew who you were yet, because otherwise this would have been a much bigger role. <laughs> now, Paul Rudd did audition for this role, and he could have done this role really well, too. I mean, we've seen him do it in Wet Hot American Summer. Exactly. That's why it would have been funny. Um, (laughs) But I definitely prefer Wet Hot American Summer. Next, we have Dan Hedaya as Mel Horowitz. Before this, he was in everything. Man's been around forever. He was in the Coen Brothers' Blood Simple, Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, St. Elsewhere, Hill Street's Blues, Joe vs. the Volcano, The Addams Family, Cheers, Rookie of the Year, Maverick, The Usual Suspects to Die For. After this movie, he was in Nixon, The First Wives Club, Marvin's Room, in and out Night at the Roxbury, Dick, The Hurricane, Yes, Dear. And then he was recently on Gotham as Detective Dix. He's great. He is. And you are very worried at first that he's just going to be angry, shouting dad. Angry, mean, and completely detached. But he absolutely knows everything that's going on in this house. Exactly. Like... Cher, stop doing this dance in front of my office. Come help me. What's going on? He's intense because he is a stereotypical corporate lawyer, Uh but he's also a good dad. Yeah. And that's so refreshing. Well, he's he's one of those parents who it's like, I'm he's a he's not an absent parent, nor is he a stupid parent, but he's also aware of that. Like, I don't need this is nonsense. I don't need to be involved in this. Yeah, mostly because it's not that Cher needs a whole lot of parenting or prodding Mm -hmm. to go after her goals. Like, she is such a self-motivator that he's like, I can work 20 hours a day because I don't have to worry about her. She's not going to get into trouble. But then you see kind of some of the stereotypical things. Are you telling me that, like, where's your report card? It's not ready yet. What? It's not ready yet. Okay. And then like, you can't, what is that address? Says who? Calvin Klein. You can't go out that way. I was just going to put something on and she puts on a sheer cover over her dress. It's so funny, but like, those are like the sweet tropey like dad things. So I do appreciate that some of them were in here. Cher, get in here. What's up, daddy? What the hell is that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. It looks like underwear. Go upstairs and put something over it. Yeah, we're just going to. Hey, you. Anything happens to my daughter, I got a 45 and a shovel. I doubt anybody would miss you. Bye, Daddy. And then when Josh goes to follow her to the party, he's like, sure, mm-hmm, you do that. Like, he fully knows. I know you have the hots for my daughter. Whatever, you're a good dude, it's fine. Yeah, he... He does not feel the need to overparent. No. And I, I greatly appreciate that. Yeah. He tells Christian, if anything happens to Cher, he's got a shovel and a 45. You won't be missed. His character in Blood Simple was shot by a 45 and then buried and beaten with a shovel. Brilliant. <laughs> so that's that's a really that's a grown-up joke that I love. That's that's a Cohen Brothers grown-up joke. Perfect. <laughs> 
I do have, I have two who could have been better. There's so many of those. I know. I love it because this, I mean, and it should be this movie blew up Harvey Keitel. He was deemed too expensive. That's fair. And Jerry Orbach was offered the role, but he couldn't get time away from his show Law and Order. I know how you feel about Jerry Orbach. He's amazing. And Jerry Orbach could probably do no wrong. Let's be honest. He would have been good. But I really like what Dan Hedaya did with this role. Oh, I agree. It's Dan all the way. Because Jerry would have been great, but Dan has that intensity that I understand why everyone would be scared of him. And I don't get that from Jerry. Yeah, no. Harvey Keitel would have also been a fabulous choice. Oh, my God. He would have been. (laughs) Same vibe, but too expensive. Next, we have Wallace Shawn as Mr. Wendell Hall. Okay, you know who the fuck Wallace Shawn is. Okay, you just know who he is. Before this, he was in The Princess Bride. After this, he plays Rex in all the Toy Stories. He's in Vegas Vacation. He plays Mr. Hall on Clueless, the television series. And he's shown up in everything. He's in Chicken Little, Crossing Jordan, I Can Never Be Your Woman, The L Word, Gossip Girl, Admission, The Good Wife, Kung Fu Panda, Mozart in the Jungle, Young Sheldon. And he's going to be in the upcoming movie, The Marriage Story. Inconceivable. That's just him. Mr. Hall is based on a real Beverly Hills high debate teacher, Herb Hall. And who is a friend of Amy Hecklering. And as a favor, he is given the part of the school principal. So I like that he's like based on a real person. Yeah, it's very sweet. It's very sweet. And Wallace Shawn is just so good. Well, yeah. I just, he's cute. And like, I, I like that he's immune to share for the most part. But then like when she's like, when are these the dates of these alleged tardies? <laughs> Just, I was riding the crim- crimson wave. Oh, I assume you're referring to ladies' troubles, and I will let that slide. <laughs> Just the way he delivers those, but like he is sympathetic, but also I don't want to talk about this anymore. Please let me go. It's adorable. He is that solid teacher who won't put up with your BS, but also sees the talent in you and wants you to do better. He's he's just a teacher that expects something from you. Exactly. Like, I expect you to do your best. Mm -hmm. And I understand that your best might be different than another student's best. But I'm going to make sure you're doing it. Yeah. Next, we have Twink Kaplan as Miss Toby Geist. Before this, she was in Primetime, Underground Aces, Under the Rainbow, she was in the Fast Times television series, Private Benjamin, Who's the Boss, L.A. Law, Look Who's Talking 1 and 2. After this, she played Miss Geist on the television series of Clueless. More TV. She was in Flamingo Dreams, Crazy as Hell, I Could Never Be Your Woman, Bad Teacher, Feud. She was in Bet and Joan. And then she's got a film called Noirland that has been completed but not yet released. Very good. Wish I had more time with her. I love her. She has a very similar look to Brittany Murphy and that those huge eyes and the curly hair. And I adore the moment when Cher says, hey, I want to volunteer. And she just lights up. She's like, really? You care? Uh-huh. It's precious. It's very cute. And then just her with Wallace Shawn is very adorable. Yep. Next, we have Justin Walker as Christian. This is his film debut. And after this, he went on to be in Last Resort, Born Bad, Glacier Falls, Take Out, Truth, and everything else, which is a short film he did in 2010. And that's it. So he hasn't really done anything else. He's good. He is a carbon copy of Jason Priestley. Yeah. Which they even call out in the movie. Oh, yeah. They're like, is this to James Dean or Jason Priestley? It's like, "Mm, you're Jason Priestley. I feel like he's kind of a poorly written character, only in that we don't get a whole lot of time with him other than a momentary foil for Cher. He's not a foil at all. He's a love interest. And there's all these very subtle hints all over the place that he is not interested in her. Yeah. But I do love that even after she realized, oh, wait, he's gay. He's not interested in me. 
they're still really good friends. I wish that had happened earlier in the movie so mm-hmm. we could have had more time with him. I wish there would have been something where he explicitly says to her, I love you, but I'm gay. Yeah. Like, that's it. And then she goes, oh, my goodness. I should have realized that. Of course. All right. Let's go. Let's keep going to the movies. Let's go to dinner. Let, let's let's and scene. I would have liked to have that five second scene. Something like that. Because that would have given him more agency. And it would have also been like, that's totally fine. Yeah. No big deal. And then when we see them at the mall together, of course, they're just friends like anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But it was 1995. So the fact, okay, the fact that we have an out teenager in this movie in 1995 is huge. We hadn't had the Ellen moment yet. We didn't have Will and Grace yet. Yeah, no, it's a big deal. It's very progressive. So I'm going to give it big props on that. Could they have done things better? Yes. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's just now going like, ah, I just wish there was a little bit more. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. Time for trivia. Trivia. During the game of Suck and Blow, the cast was unable to sustain the breath to make the real credit card pass from mouth to mouth. A propped credit card made of cardboard was substituted, but it still didn't work. So holes were drilled into it, and then that failed. So the whole cast lips were covered in chapstick to force the card to stick. Jeez. So great. At at a certain point, do you not just go, let's figure something else out? Mm. (laughs) Despite the way the film looks, the budget for the costume was only $200,000. The biggest expense being the plaid Jean-Paul Gaultier outfit that Alicia Silverstone wears in the opening. That's the plaid outfit. And Alicia Silverstone did get to keep that along with the rest of her costumes, but she later donated to charity. She had 63 outfit changes and costume designer Mona May, her whole thing was that she wanted the girls to look like mall rats, not models. Hmm. Which so much of what you see on screen, I remember seeing in the mall. I remember being that old and going to the mall and being like, oh, this outfit looks just like the one in Clueless. I want this and that. And so it was very distinct. And I love that. And that was very smart marketing wise. Yeah. And it's true. They don't They don't ever feel like they're runway models. They, those clothes all feel worn. Yes. And like they're in their actual closet. Like they're fashionable girls. Yes. They have all this money, so they spend all their time at the mall. Yeah. That's totally fine. During the film, there are 53 different kinds of plaid, seven of which are worn by Cher. <laughs> Jeez. I respect that. Oh, 1995. Grunge fashion is always just the weirdest thing to me. It is weird. Film was shot in 40 days. And the high school where the students attend is Bronson Alcott High School. Bronson Alcott is a 19th century transcendentalist writer best known for starting an ultimately unsuccessful utopian community called Fruitlands and for being the father of little women author Louisa May Alcott. At one time, Amy Hecklering dated Bronson Pinchot, whose middle name is Alcott after the author. So Bronson Alcott is also the name of the prep school. So that's why Amy Hecklering named it Bronson Alcott High School. What a bizarre piece of trivia in a good way. But it's just like, that's a twist and turn I'm not ready for. We've got Utopia. We've got Little Women. We've we've got got Bronson Pinchot. I love it. It's a great pull. Thank you, IMDb, for bringing such flavor to my life. Apparently in the script, the restaurant scenes were supposed to take place in a California pizza kitchen. (laughs) But the CEOs of the franchise read the breadsticks as penis jokes and said, no. What a good bit. 
It, it is great. And finally, the film is a template for the Iggy Azalea's music video, Fancy, which was released in 2014, which then the addendum to that is that later Alicia Silverstone was on Lip Sync Battle. And for as her final big showpiece, she did Fancy as Cher. Well done. It was perfect. <laughs> Full circle. Adorable. Loved it. Well she done. won, as she should have. Of course. All right. So now we've got a... What's our rating system? I mean, this is your movie. You know it really well. I'm trying to decide. I kind of want to go, how many white jeeps is it? Or how many as-ifs? I'm just, should it be white jeeps or as-ifs? <sighs> as-ifs. Okay. It's it's the enduring legacy. Ah, <laughs> oh, as-if. Okay. This is a four for me. Okay. The cast is great. Story's good. The direction's good. It's got a lot of progressive stuff. We didn't even talk about how often they talk about safe sex. Love that. There's some stuff that hasn't aged well, which we've talked about a little bit. I would have liked a little bit more of this. Let's be very explicit with the fact that Christian is gay. Let's have him be the one who says that, not a bunch of characters talking about his sexuality. That would have been a little bit better, but it's still a good movie. I'm going to go three and a half. Okay. I agree with you that it's a good movie, and it's a movie I want to watch again, because this is a movie that I felt like I had an expectation for, mm-hmm. and then it wasn't what I thought it was going to be, and it threw me a little bit. But I do love all the cast. I love the story that's going on. I've got my problems with certain cast members that just don't work right for me in the movie, mm-hmm. and there were just things that didn't seem right in the moment. But because those are things that just were for me when watching the movie, uh-huh. I don't want to downgrade it too much. Okay, So I'm going to go three and a half. Okay, I think that's really fair. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our Lady Director series. It's been a wild one. It's been a wild one. And all, I mean, again, I said this on our last episode, but all of our directors have also been the writers on their films. Yeah. So, yeah, it's pretty interesting. Hmm. So what are we doing next month? Well. <laughs> it's, it's the spooky month. It is the spooky month. And I don't know how this one's going to go. We are doing the films of M. Night Shyamalan. Yes. He had quite the heyday for a while. Well, yeah. And I'm going to say I've seen half the ones we're going to cover. And I've seen one M. Night Shyamalan movie. Which one have you seen? Signs. Okay, we're not covering that one. Um, (laughs) We are going to cover The Sixth Sense because David has not seen it. But we are going to cover that for our Patreon content because everyone has seen it. So I think it'll be interesting to hear us talk about that. And everybody knows the twist. Everyone knows what the twist is. Right. So David has been in a deprivation tank. He does not know the twists for any of these other films. No, I really don't. So I have to be very careful because there's some of them when I'm going through the trivia, I have to make sure that I don't read any of it until after I watch the film because I don't want to be spoiled on the twists. (laughs) Yeah, but we're going to do M. Night Shyamalan. We're going to start with Unbreakable. Mm. Yes. So it'll be it'll be fun. It'll be interesting. Yes. So until next time. Bye everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Facebook.